seated. That was good, right? Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for, we thank you for children. And we thank you for the gift of um, your son come to us again, dwelling as a baby, um, living to be a man, and ultimately dying a, a death on our behalf on a cross. But tonight, Father, we look at the promise being fulfilled, fulfilled for us. So help us to understand, Lord, and may you be glorified tonight. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight's message is going to be out of the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And I've titled it, Appointed for Adoption. And one of the things I hope that we see tonight is that the plan of salvation, which we so wonderfully celebrate and which the kids are reminding us of as we look at the manger scene, is God's promise to redeem mankind actually being fulfilled in real space and time. It was an appointed time on his behalf, and the blessing and the benefit is really all ours. As the scripture says tonight, that we have been adopted by him into his family um, by his work and the son's work upon the cross. So if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, um, I'm in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. I want to read through the passage, and I just want to draw our eyes to a few things that we see in it tonight. Paul is writing to the church of Galatia, and he says this in chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The first thing that I want us to consider tonight as we look at this passage, specifically in verse 4, is the phrase that Paul says when he says, but when the fullness of time had come. And what this should remind us of and teach us is that the plan of salvation, the coming, like this moment that we're, have our eyes drawn to, this moment that we're thinking about when, Je when Je baby Jesus comes and he's born, which we read in Luke chapter 2 that gives us the account of this actually happening was not something that God was responding to in the moment. It was not something that he thought of after the fall, as in like, man, my beloved creation has fallen into wickedness and sin. I've got to do something about it. But it was actually part of God's sovereign plan from the beginning, and that there came a particular point in time in which he fulfilled that plan. It says, in the fullness of time, when the fullness of time had come, and so you want to think about that because he uses the terminology, the fullness of time, it reminds us that there's, as time is going by and creeping by, ever since the fall, man's fall into sin in the garden, that began this time of which it began to chip away until the fullness of that time had actually come. And that fullness of that time was when God comes in the flesh and dwells among us and why we celebrate the virgin birth and baby Jesus. But everything up until that point was part of God's plan, part of 
what God was doing. And the fullness of time meant that there was going to come a time appointed by him when this particular scene would take place. But all of the events surrounding this scene was a part of his plan. It wasn't just that he was going to come at this particular point in time, but that it was that all the elements and all of the components that were to be um, taking place during this time were a part of his plan as well. Those shepherds that were those shepherds in that field on that night were a part of his plan in the fullness of time. Everyone who was staying at the inn was a part of his plan and brought about the fullness of that time. Everything that took place, the, the wise men, the magi that were coming, were part of his plan to take place at that particular period of time. It's incredible to me to think that God can orchestrate and indeed is in control over all things at all times, down to the minutest detail of not only this moment, but every moment. And not just this moment, every moment of this moment, but every moment of every moment of everybody's life throughout all time. That should bring about for the believer an incredible amount of contentment and peace and rest. Because we know that our God is not doing any, he's not ever responding to anything. He knows all things. He sees all things. When scripture talks about his sovereignty, this is what it means. Nothing catches God by surprise. And yet he is involved in all things and working all things together for the good of those that love him and called according to his purpose. Wonderful times of joy and anticipation like this one that we celebrate this season but times of incredible difficulty and hardship as well all of these things are a part of god's time the one who lives outside of time and sees all things happening at once actually works in specific moments of time as well and this being the thing that we're celebrating right now in this season our eyes are drawn specifically to what took place at this particular period of time in the fullness of time as god planned his the redemption of mankind everything was moving forward as god had planned for it to move forward and brought about this particular period of time then we ask ourselves the question why i think everybody around this time of year should be asking themselves the question as to why does this moment exist and take place in the first place and again, I think John 3.16 answers that question for us well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It was out of God's free, his free will, his free expression, his free love to bring this about and to have this time appointed. And the time that he appointed, as our text tells us, was the fullness of time had come when the fullness of time had come, this particular moment appointed by God, God sent forth his son. His son that had, it's a part of, the, part of the trinity, part of our triune God that we love and that we worship, that has created all things. The son has always existed. The son was pre-existent. The son didn't become the son at this moment. The son has always existed. But in this particular moment, the son was obedient to his call to put on flesh and to come and to dwell among us. And this is going to be the topic of specifically of what we're talking about on Sunday morning. This incredible gift and idea that God, the, the 
incorruptible God would put on corruptible flesh and come and dwell among us. And God sends forth his son, the eternal son that has always existed, that was a part of speaking everything into creation, the one that is all-powerful, unchanging, divine, and all that he is in, in his essence came, put on flesh, and dwelt among us. And we see the reason for this. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Specifically, he came to fulfill what it was that the law demanded. You know, God demands perfection. Because God is perfect, he demands perfection out of any and those who would be with him. But he knows that we are not perfect. You take one good look at yourself, and you're not perfect. I know, as cute as these kids were up here, they're, they're not perfect either. Born of a woman, born under the law, to fulfill the law, so that perfection is still required by God. He never lessens what he demands. That would violate his justice and his holiness. So he maintains his justice and his holiness by continuing to demand perfection, which is what his law communicates to us. Perfect obedience. But he knows that in our sinfulness, we cannot obey and we cannot give to him what he requires. So what does he do? He comes and does it for us and fulfills what he demands on our behalf. And the outcome of that is what he goes on to say in verse 5. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. You hear the word redemption. God's demand is perfection. He knows we cannot meet that demand. So instead of lessening his demand, he meets it for us. And he sends forth his only begotten son out of, out of love for the sinner, out of love for the, re the rebel, that he might adopt you and I into his family and that we might know that we are children adopted by him, eternally loved. You think about all of the benefits of what scripture says to those who were adopted into his family. Loved, forgiven, pardoned, and not just like momentarily, not just today, but eternally, forever. Like when you come to faith in Christ, the slate is not just wiped clean from what it is that you've done or what it is that you might currently be doing, but all that it is that you will do. Now that is what is incredible about God's grace. It's complete, undeserved favor that never ends. And it's not like he just says, you've been completely forgiven, now go your way. He says, you've been completely forgiven, now come here. You're adopted. You're in my family. You are now my son. You are now my daughter. And you consider, if God is perfect, his love is perfect. What is it like to receive perfect love? I mean, we can only imagine of the love that we show one another, as much as you might love your spouse, as, you, as much as you might love your child, your love is not perfect. And guess what? Your spouse or your child will never love you back perfectly either. But God does. 
God is perfect in all his ways, and his love for us is perfect. His adoption into his family is perfect. Not only in the fullness of time that God sent forth his son, but in the fullness of time, at the appointed time, he saved his people. There was a particular point in my life where the grace of God was poured out on me and I came to know Christ. And if you're in Christ, the same is true for you. And if you don't know Christ, then consider the, the level of the love of God displayed by sending forth his only son. Yes, this manger scene, it, it's dirty, it smells, but the baby Jesus is so cute and we adore that. But this moment takes place because there's another moment coming that must take place for our redemption as well. And it is not cute and it is not, doesn't smell nice either, but it is a bloody cross. See, this, this moment is appointed because that moment on the cross is appointed as well. And his death upon that cross is the only grounds for hope and salvation that we have. And you can only know him and be, receive that pardon and forgiveness in the full expression of his love by faith and by faith alone. There's nothing you can do. You cannot, there's nothing you can do to receive God's favor. There's nothing that you can do to win his love into your life. He says simply to come and to come by faith and to believe in what he's done. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. And Christ came born of a woman, born under the law, to fulfill that on our behalf so that we might receive adoption as sons. And the redemption that we have leads to adoption. And then he goes on and closes it in verse 6 and 7. And because you are sons, so for those who have been redeemed, for those who have experienced and received the love of God poured out through the work of Christ, been adopted into his family as sons, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. That God has a tremendous, not only plan of redemption, but an inheritance for his people as well. And there will come a day where we will receive that inheritance as heirs in full. We long, just as this time was appointed that and, and the cross was appointed, there's also appointed a day in which we know will take place in which we will receive what is promised to us. We look forward to that day. So there are a few things that this passage helps us remember. Firstly, that God's plan of redemption was delayed until this perfect time, but he has fulfilled his promise and he fulfills all of his promises. You can take this to heart, that our God is a God who makes promises and fulfills them. And it may not be in our time and it may not be in the way that we want, but he does. And his ways and his timing are better than ours. And so we take heart that our God fulfills all of his promises. We also are reminded that as we wait now, we remember Christ has appointed his time to return. One day, all waiting will be over. 
the promise for him to return will come. And that day that we currently wait for now, as they waited for this day, we wait for that day. And there will come a time where all of our waiting will be over. But in the meantime, we are reminded that God cares for us as his own adopted. And he is worthy of all of our trust as we remember who he is and what he has done and what he is doing. If anything, we should be reminded of the fact that God made a promise. He appointed this time. He kept that promise. That time came about. And so this is an example of many other promises that God has made, which he has promised to fulfill. And in the meantime, while we wait, we trust. We trust in him. He's proven himself to be good. He has proven himself to be trustworthy. And so our lives should be an expression of trust in him and his faithfulness and in his promises as he continues to pour out his love and his grace into our lives. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful and thankful for the truth of your word that reminds us of your plan to redeem mankind and your character to make a promise and fulfill it. We look to the one who is eternal and divine and sovereign over all things. You've given us a word in which you tell us that we might trust in it, and so we do. We don't always perfectly, Lord, but we know that you're good and you're faithful. And our faithlessness does not nullify your faithfulness. So we thank you, God, for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you will do. And we continue to look to you and worship you in song, Father, for you're worthy of all praise and worship. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for tonight. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.